0: I See Dead Plants podcast shares the stories of people and plants, pests, and pathogens and the conflicts among them. Join us as we speak to the folks who are helping the rest of us live healthier, more productive lives through pest management research. We strive to make science accessible. I See Dead Plants is created by the Crop Protection Network and hosted by Ed Zaworski. The Crop Protection Network is a product of land-grant universities. And I'm joined today by Andrew Penny,
1: Dr. Andrew Penny. My apologies. I worked with Andrew for a long time. I got to get used to calling him Dr. Andrew Penny, who is a technical agronomist. And uh, first off, just Andrew, what is a technical agronomist? What do you do at your job?
2: Yeah, so I'm the uh, technical agronomist for bear crop science. And uh, being the technical agronomist, you know, we're the 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 go-to source for information regarding anything crop production, whether it's, you know, herbicides, fungicides,
1: uh, just, you know, general, just general crop production, so. Good deal. All right, so jumping right into it, we're going to be talking about Andrew's Ph.D. research and his uh, publication, which is titled Comparison of Aerial and Ground Sprayer Fungicide Application Technologies on Canopy Coverage, Disease Severity, lodging and yield of corn. So before we jump in and we start grilling Andrew about what he did and how he did it, uh, I want to lay down a little bit of background info on, you know, we're, we're talking about fungicides here. And a lot of people might know or have an idea of what a fungicide is just based on the context of the name of fungicide. It's something that kills something, right? So the, def- the Oxford Dictionary definition of a pesticide, right, which a fungicide is a pesticide, is that it's a substance used for destroying insects or other organisms harmful to cultivated plants or to animals. Uh, to further break down the word, the suffix iside, which you find in fungicide, insecticide, herbicide, iside as that suffix means kill, to kill or killer, right? So these are all things that are killing undesirables or pests, right? So like I said, we have fungicides, insecticides, herbicides, nematicides, rodenticides, a lot of different things, uh, just like I said, for killing these undesirable pests. In this case, we're talking about fungi. So fungi are a complicated organism and they're all over the place. So I think before becoming a microbiologist and plant pathologist, I would have thought of fungi as mushrooms in the woods on a rotten log or maybe the mold grown on the ceiling in my bathroom and you know those those are types of fungi but there's a lot of other fungi and uh, generally speaking you know fungi are composed of thread-like organisms called mycelia and these mycelia can spread through soil plant matter uh, human or animal tissue so uh, like I said so there's there's lots of fungi and they interact with different things like Dead plant material or maybe humans or animals. And in this case, we're talking about fungi that are parasitic of live plants. They can infect different parts of a plant in this case. We're talking about corn, right? So uh, it's important to remember that uh, these fungi can infect different parts of the plant and where we're attacking them can be different. It's also too important to know that they can be applied in many different ways. So spraying Uh, drenching the soil coating a seed before it's even planted are all all ways that we can apply a fungicide and there's different ways that a fungicide can attack a, a a fungus and i like to so the two main ways would be a contact fungicide or a systemic fungicide and i like to uh relate this back to human medicine if i can and a contact fungicide uh, as the name suggests would be something that's coming into contact with a fungus and killing it so i like to liken this to an ointment on somebody's skin if they've got a rash you apply an ointment that's a contact drug there versus let's say somebody's got something going on in their in their guts and the doctor recommends that they take an antibiotic to clear that up so this is something that they're going to ingest it's going to get into their bloodstream it's going to go through their entire body and this is something that's more systemic um, and then uh, lastly, so just some, some facts to lay out here before we get into Andrew's research about fungicides in corn. So interestingly, over the past uh, 10 years, there's been a pretty big uptick in the use of fungicides. So between 2010 and 2018, fungicide use at, uh, on, a per, on a per acre basis increased from 8% to 17% over eight years. So there's a lot more fungicides being used, And uh, another, you know, fun fact, or not fun fact, just a fact in general, uh, it was estimated that between 2012 and 2018, there was a 3%, 3 3.6%, sorry, loss in corn yield due to fungal pathogens. So with all of that information, um, we want to ask Andrew here, you know, uh, currently, if you go out to any corn field or or soybean field for that matter, crop production field, like what is the most common way that fungicides are are being applied and used in the field?
2: Uh, I would definitely say, you know, we have uh, different diseases that, like you said, that that infect different parts of the plant. Um, I would say most commonly used you know, by, by humans uh, in crop production is, is, um, seed treatments, you know, trying to c- control different, uh, root rot diseases and, and you know, f- uh, fungal diseases that are found in the soil and then, uh, foliar fungicides. So we, we have a lot of common diseases that infect you know, uh, pretty much every crop that we grow as human beings, you know, to try and, uh, use for, uh, food or other purposes. So yeah, fungicides are, are really beneficial when we're trying to optimize,
1: you know, uh, yields for for numerous crops. So just just to paint the picture even further. People are driving by a cornfield. They're going, you know, down I-35 through the center of Iowa. What are they going to see out in the field? You know, I think people are pretty familiar with, you know, aerial applications or airplanes flying on different chemicals. What, what is is that the most common or would it be a ground application? We'll talk, we'll get more into this, but what's, what's common? I would say here in Iowa, and this is going to depend
2: on where, you know, where you are, the, the layout of the land. Um, I'd say, you know, in in Iowa, we commonly do use aerial applicators or a traditional ground sprayer, you know, just a, basically a self-propelled tractor with, with a boom on it. And, you know, that sits tall enough to
1: go in and, and spray corn, you know, at, at those taller stages. Gotcha. So we're going to, we would, so just again, would there be a huge difference between the machinery that's being used for corn versus soybeans? Corn's a lot taller, obviously. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, if, if you think about, you know, some of the, um, what, what we know about an aerial applicator, you know, they, they can't carry as much water. You know, water's pretty heavy. You got to get that water on the plane, get it up into the air. So, so uh, an airplane is going to use a lot less water per per acre to, you know, as a, as a carrier for that fungicide. Uh, traditionally, you know, it's anywhere from two to three gallons an acre. Um, okay. a, a traditional ground sprayer, you know, they, they can carry and, and apply pretty much whatever they want within reason. So, so often, you know, you'll hear people recommend fifteen to twenty gallons an acre uh, when you're using a ground sprayer, just because you know, uh, for for the longest time, we, we've always recommended and said that the, the more volume in, in water they use a carri- as a carrier, the better the coverage is going to be. So gotcha. so there is a huge difference in, in the, the volume of water that we use as a carrier, you know, when we're looking at an aerial applicator versus a ground sprayer.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, with that kind of background information, uh, I say let's jump into the into the research We're going to dissect in a few minutes here what andrew has uh, spent time studying over the course of years Um, i can see some pain in his eyes as i look across (laughs) the table horrible flashbacks (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know just in general tell us about your study tell us what the goal of the research was you know what was your hypothesis were you correct let's 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 break down the whole whole paper here and uh and talk about it yeah you bet so so
2: with this paper so we we got uh we were kind of focused on two different areas um and and on this paper um we we were really looking at how coverage uh impacts disease management and so you know like i discussed earlier we have uh an airplane that uses two to three gallons an acre versus a ground sprayer that uses you know anywhere from 10 to 20 and so uh, i i guess too to address you know that uh, one of the, um, you know, something you got to deal with when you're when you're dealing with the ground sprayer is, you know, the more water you use, the more often that grower has to reload. And, and that can be time consuming for not only loading, but, you know, getting the water to the field. And so...
1: And I take it, it, on the other hand, you have a lot more water with the ground sprayer, but the aerial application probably costs quite a bit more, correct? What, what are the pros and cons of the two?
2: Yeah. So, I, I mean, that, that depends on where you go. So, I mean, I think... If you're hiring a ground sprayer out or hiring a, an airplane, um, you know, I think they're going to be similar in cost. You're going to have some differences. Um, you know, the, the airplane might be a little bit more expensive in, in certain spots. Um, and, and then, too, if you own your own ground sprayer, you know, that's going to cost you a lot less, ob- obviously, too. So that's something gotcha. to consider. But, but at the end of the day, you know, I think what we were really out to answer is, is there a difference in disease management if you're using 20 gallons an acre of water and getting really good coverage? versus an, an airplane that only applies two to three gallons an acre and getting minimal coverage. But at the same time, you know, that, that coverage difference, you know, you're going to have a lot more co- uh, highly concentrated fungicide. You know, that active ingredient is going to be a lot more concentrated in that two to three gallons per acre versus the 10 to 20. So gotcha. there were some unknowns and, and, and you know, entering into this, the hypothesis, you know, I had been around this stuff long enough that I was kind of sold that, you know, if, if we have better coverage, we use more gallons per acre, you're going to get better disease control. And so that that was kind of my hypothesis going into this. You know, I, I thought that the ground sprayer, uh, and, and, and I guess with that too, we also used uh, a traditional ground sprayer with just, you know, over-the-top um, nozzles spraying down into the canopy. But we also used uh, 360 Yields new undercover sprayers. And okay. so—
1: Talk, tell me about that, because I know yeah. that this is going to be a thing that we should dissect for listeners. Um, traditional ground sprayers are all over the top of the plants. So they're yep. spraying, they're all, all the nozzles are pointed downwards to apply the chemical. Yep. Now, the 360, talk about it. Yeah, so lay it out, paint a picture.
2: Yeah, so you, you nailed the, the traditional. Um, so that just has, you know, all the nozzles uh, sitting on, on the bottom side of that boom and spraying down onto that crop canopy. Uh, with 360 Yields, new undercover sprayers, um, those actually uh, connect to the boom and they hang down uh, in, in, into that crop canopy. And they have a, a little unit that hangs down at about the, the level of an ear, you know, ear height. Okay. and that that unit has uh three nozzles on it, and so these nozzles spray to the side and up and so the the over you know the, the goal of this uh you know the goal of the company and I guess the goal of this product was to increase coverage because again going back to what we thought you know the better the coverage the better the efficacy of the fungicide right so um so, so these undercover units, you have uh, you know, these units hanging down in the, co- in the crop canopy, spraying at all angles to the side and up. And then you also have uh, one uh, for each row, one nozzle at the top of that boom spraying down. So you're kind of hitting it from all angles. Right and and so um, again, just better coverage than 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 the airplane just because of the increased gallons breaker, but also you know better coverage than just a traditional sprayer because you got those nozzles hanging
1: down in the crop canopy spraying at all angles. Right, and you know as we talked about earlier, there's a lot of different fungal diseases or you know agents that can cause disease on on these corn plants the lesions or the affected areas by the disease isn't always at the top of the plant. So it kind of makes sense that you would want to test, well, Hey, what if we hit the whole entire plant versus just spraying downward? And you can imagine that the top leaves of the canopy are taking up a lot of this, either aerial application or traditional application. So, Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think with that too, you know, uh, to, to insert some crop physiology in here, we, we know that that ear leaf on the corn plant, is the, you know, the biggest contributor of, of assimilate supply to that ear. And so, you know, that's that's always a focus of, of growers and agronomists is to keep that ear leaf healthy just because we know that. And right. so, uh, you it's know— It's an
1: indicator of yeah, possible yep. yield yield problems, right? Absolutely.
2: You know, but with that, too, the upper leaves, if you look at everything from the ear leaf up as a whole, you know, you're, you're getting 85 to 90% of all assimilate-produced you know, from the upper canopy that goes into that ear, so knowing that you know it's it's vital to take care of that ear or manage that ear leaf, um, but and, and then you, you factor in one of the more common diseases that we have here in Iowa, which is gray leaf spot. Yep. You know that always starts from the lower canopy and works works its way up. So if if we can have a disease like that where we suppress it, you know manage it enough where it doesn't reach that ear leaf, um, on top of managing diseases that may come in over the top, such as northern corn leaf blight um, you know, it, it's kind of a win-win.
0: Check out cropprotectionnetwork.org for the latest extension resources on field crop pest management. Identify pest issues, train using scouting tools, and discover strategies for keeping crops healthy.
1: So there's, that's, that's a really great background and, uh, why they wanted to test what they wanted to test.
2: So yeah, so, so what, what we did, uh, t- to answer this, so we got ourselves a haggy, uh, we equipped it with, uh, that you know, we use the traditional boom with with sprayers uh, spraying over the top down onto the canopy. Uh, we also equipped that same sprayer with the undercover units, so we could just simply hit a switch and and uh, uh, use those undercover sprayers. Uh, and then we also hired a, a aerial applicator to come in and uh, apply a fungicide on strips of, of of the field that we were in. So uh, I think one of the the biggest things that I accomplished, uh, which which is a huge deal to me, because you know, back in my retail days and dealing with uh, fungicides, you know, it's, it's hard to get them to come in and spray when you want. And so when I was doing this research, I had all of our three treatments of, of fungicides applied within two hours. So that, that was a pretty big ordeal right there. Because, you know, anytime you're, you're looking at fungicide response or, or anything like that, you know, it's always good to ha- reduce the amount of variability or, or variables. And so we had all of our fungicides applied
1: with, within that two hour window. You sprayed with three different methods. You had the aerial, the ground, and the undercover with the ground traditional at yep. the same time. Yep. Uh, you measured these with the wettable spray cards. You also had the fluorescent dyes, so you were seeing where all of this stuff landed for all three of those types of applications. Yes. Yep. That's pretty that's pretty much the that's a good summary, that's, right? That's a good summary for that. So all right. Now the, the drum roll, right? what everybody has been waiting for hopefully hopefully all everybody listening has been waiting for this moment of well, what happened <laughs> so
2: so after spending uh, some time in, in years uh, you know collecting this data, um, run, running the statistics, and you know just really diving deeper into it, um, you know what what we found was that the aerial application for the on-farm trials in the undercover and traditional had, had very similar, um, and, and really, you know, it wasn't statistically different. So I, so I'm just, you know, it was similar, uh, disease management. Mm-hmm. So despite the, uh, airplane, you know, only, uh, using two and a half gallons, which is what we use for, for this research, um, two and a half gallons versus our, our sprayers for the undercover and traditional using 20 gallons disease severity was, was very similar throughout the entire canopy. So so I mean I mean tied tied back to the results. So so really at the end of the day there there was really no yield difference between the aerial and the ground sprayer, both traditional and under, undercover. And there no
1: difference in the sense of uh, yield potential yield
2: increases okay. due to, you know, con- managing disease. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and also there was there was really no difference in um, disease disease severity. Gotcha. So, so throughout the process, you know, after these applications were made, um, we went out and took disease severity notes for each disease within, Which, within each treatment.
1: If, if I can just, you know, shed some light for everybody, this is one of the most fun things to do in usually uh, late July, <laughs> early August when it's really nice and hot out, hot and humid here in Iowa. And uh, you're wading through corn samples or corn leaves. They're cutting you up. Yeah. So, so yeah, we took disease severity
2: notes so we could monitor the progression of of any disease, whether it's you know southern rust, common rust, northern corn leaf blight, uh, gray leaf spot. You know all the stuff we commonly see here in Iowa for the most part. So we we were able to track uh, progression from the time of application to physiological maturity, and you know. Uh, again, going back to some make you know giving a good summary for this research um we we really didn't have a difference in uh, disease severity at, at the end of the growing season between the three treatments so so what that that, about, was, that was kind of the big key takeaway
1: what about between untreated or something that because you guys had a control right that yeah uh, yep that you yep. didn't apply any fungicides to yep yeah so
2: and, and with that too you know comparing the three treatments to the control um in 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 all these situations, the the fungicides for for all three treatments um, reduced disease severity mm-hmm. um, with with our key diseases on, on the treated plants compared to the control. So, so
1: reduced disease, but no effect
2: on yield. For uh, in these situations, that's correct. Yep. Right. And and there was actually uh, in twenty eighteen. You know, we had a really really wet spring. Nitrogen was a big limiting factor. You know, there was instances where. All three treatments reduced disease severity from you know twenty five percent, twenty to twenty five percent of the control, yep. down to you know five percent, uh, give or take a few percentages in, in the treated areas. So, yep. we had we had instances where there was you know perfect perfect scenario situations for um, disease. You know that that disease triangle uh,
1: fulfilled uh, all all three all three points. And when he um, says disease triangle, he means, and this is good. When you when you have a disease, you have to have three things, and you have to have the a suitable environment for the, the fungal pathogen. Uh, you also have to have the fungal pathogen. You have to have a susceptible host, and the host in this case is corn. So it's the plant that's going to be infected by the fungal pathogen. So, so you so you had you, the environment was good. The disease triangle was right. Yep. You were definitely getting disease that could be impactful. And uh, even with the difference, you know, the disease reduction by the chemicals, by the three treatments, uh, at least for that year. And, and, and that's important to remember, too, here, is that uh, every year is different for crop production. You know, it's not like you see the same amount of disease. It's not even that you see the same diseases from year to year. So, um, so yeah, so you saw that, you saw disease reduction, but no uptick in yield. No, that,
2: that, that year we didn't. Um, and I, I guess going across... Um, and this
1: is over how many years?
2: So so we did this uh, research over two years where we did both the on-farm and Iowa State you know, small block replicated gotcha. uh, treatments. And uh, 2018, I guess, stood out more so than any just because we had such high disease you gotcha. know, sever, severity ratings. Um, and, and you know, you look back and, and tr- try and give explanation and, and thoughts, and you know, it was it was really comes down to nitrogen. You know, we we just had so much rain, and I, I think with that too, we we had such. Uh,
1: so nit, you're saying nitrogen was limiting. Nitrogen the was
2: the. I think nitrogen and oxygen to the roots was.
1: So not they, were enough the nitrogen factors, because. Just because it wasn't applied or?
2: No, I mean, uh, we had such a wet spring. Ah, so, okay. so anything that was, a uh, you know, whether it was anhydrous in the fall or, or spring or, you know, some sort of liquid in the spring, um, you know, just, just looking at the uh, nitrogen cycle, you know, knowing how our, our ammonium converts to nitrate. And then we have, you know, we have nitrification, then denitrification. Um, I, I think the, the biggest limiting factors in 2018 were nitrogen, but also oxygen to the roots because we were wet for uh, a a very long period throughout those reproductive stages when we're filling grain. I vaguely
1: remember 2018 as it being hard for uh, growers to get out in the field and plant their crops. And and, and yeah, when they did, right, the water table is still up high enough that, like you said, limiting oxygen and the nutrients have either, what, leached away. uh, We've lost them in runoff. There's all kinds of ways we can lose them from the field right
2: yes, yep yeah, and that, and that depends on on the nutrient and the uh charge,
1: whether it's negative or positive, you know whether or not it's going to bind to to those soil colloids, gotcha so so nitrogen was more important than disease that year, but we still had the disease to do the research on, yeah, yep, and and that that's that that was probably
2: more important, you know, just just understanding um how, how coverage does impact mm-hmm. disease management and and that's you know we, we got what we were looking for
1: so. Gotcha. So, so I mean, okay. It's it may sound kind of dire, uh, but in fact, it's important to note a lot of research ends up like this. You know, I'm sure that Andrew, when he set forth on this research, that his hopes were that hey, this undercover sprayer is going to produce great results, or you know, we would see wonderful results a huge uptick in yield disease reduction all the all the stuff but you know mother nature and the, the climate from year to year and like these other factors like andrew's saying you know nitrogen uh, a lot of excess moisture in the soil it doesn't always co- cooperate with us but i mean so at the end of the day um there there are lessons to pull from this that i, that I want andrew to to talk about a little bit before we Start moving on to some more questions. I guess summarizing and maybe giving some
2: key takeaways. Yeah, key takeaways. You know, you know at, at the end of the day, you know, from a, a agronomist perspective and, and then from a grower perspective, uh, it, it can be very time-consuming to, you know, use that 15 to 20 gallons an acre just because of the increased amount of time loading, getting water, taking it to the field. And so I, I think this this research really, you know, gave way to the possibility that maybe you don't need as much water, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you know we didn't we didn't look at um, ten gallons an acre because we we wanted to do the extremes, which is why we used you know right. the airplane at two and a half gallons an acre and then and then twenty gallons an acre for and this is our what ground, is ground
1: being done out in the field right yeah, now. Exactly. So yep. you wanted to replicate what people actually do real real world scenario yeah exactly
2: and so in in the real world they're using 10 to 20 gallons an acre for fungicide application with a ground sprayer so Mm -hmm. we wanted to take that to the extreme just to get a good comparison for for our coverage data and then then fungicide efficacy so but i mean look looking at our results you know that that tells me that maybe and, and again this this would need to be confirmed with with someone comparing maybe 10 gallons an acre to 20 gallons an acre but. right
1: so if you were going to continue research let's say in a scenario where you want to be a student forever <laughs> yeah, nobody wants that let's be honest uh no but you know if you wanted to remain a grad student forever and you were to continue on this research like th- this is kind of what you're getting at right like yeah
2: yeah I, th- I think maybe just uh I- I'd probably do away with maybe the the undercover sprayer and, and then uh, look at uh, an airplane, you know, using that two and a half gallons breaker uh, get that same ground sprayer, maybe look at 10 and then also 20 gallons an acre. So, gotcha. so I think, yeah, that, that would give more validity, maybe, and confirm the, the fact that we could go in there with, with less gallons breaker and, and get the same efficacy.
1: So again, we're just speculating here, but, but let me pose a scenario to you. So, so what, so if we were to reduce the amount of water, right, that we need to, to apply these chemicals for the ground sprayer, like what advantage does that give a grower or what yeah. would it give a grower? We don't know because it hasn't been tested. Mm-hmm. But Well, that
2: definitely gives them more, more time, right? So uh-huh. the the more times you got to stop that sprayer to load water, you know, that that time is money, especially when you, when you're looking at, the amount of days that you can spray, whether it's herbicides, especially, uh, but but also fungicides. You know, is it too windy? Is it right. just certain conditions uh, throughout the day? And, and finding that perfect time. Uh, if you do hit that window, you know you want to be you want to be spraying. So
1: oh, so there's a potential that they could go out and spray for longer with the same right. I mean, yeah, it's, essentially,
2: it's, just be less less stops. So right. you know, if you can just load, uh, if you're spraying 10 gallons an acre. And you're, you know, you got a tank that holds two thousand gallons. You know, you, you divide that out versus uh, yeah. ten gallons an acre versus twenty. You know, that's that's twice as many stops or yeah. stops and stops and fills.
1: And I suppose you're going to save money on your water bill too, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're talking on a per acre basis. I mean, you know, a lot of guys are spraying what two or 300 acres for a uh, field or man, maybe more uh, what's what's the average size field yeah i mean
2: around here there's lots there's 40s there's uh some eight lots of 80s and then and then some you know 120 to 160 acre fields so
1: right so um, do the math you know, we'll i'm not that talking, out yeah, you yeah. You know, <laughs> out to how
2: many fields a grower may have a corn you know it, it it adds up so i think long term obviously we uh, apply fungicides to increase yields, right? Or, yep. or to protect yields and, and maintain, maintain yields is a better way to put it. Um, I, I think as we continue to increase our, our population and our, our need for foods and, and just overall increase in, in crop production, you know, the, the more we know about uh, how these plants respond to our, our fungicide application, our, our pesticides apl- applications in general, you know, the, the better off we'll, we will be at, at increasing our, our food production. And so I think anybody, whether you're agronomist, uh, scientist, or grower, you know, the end goal is to uh, increase yields, you know, or, or maintain yields, right? So the, the second we take that seed out of the bag, um, environmental stresses, biotic, abiotic, are going to decrease our yields and impact right. us. So, what what the better we can do at managing anything biotic or abiotic that is stressing that plant, the more food we can produce, gotcha. and that's going to in turn impact you know the what you pay in the store. Mm-hmm. It, it could potentially impact um, those people that really need food in in developing countries. So, you know this this research is important. You know. At a level thirty thousand feet and above, thinking big, you know, yeah. broadly. Yep. This is this is really important
1: that aspect. Gotcha. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. We don't often, you know, especially you know on on campus here within the the heart of where the research is going on, we don't often take a step back to look at how is this affecting the average person. So that's it's good to hear. All right. So with that, uh, thank you, Andrew, for joining us and telling us about your research. And uh, look forward to more of these in the future where we'll be trying to break down scientific articles uh, so that everyone can understand them. Thanks. Thanks. It's been fun. Appreciate it.
0: I See Dead Plants bridges the gap between plant science research and the impact it has on our daily lives. It is brought to you by the Crop Protection Network within Extension and is sponsored in part by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. For more information on the topics covered today, check out cropprotectionnetwork.org. Remember, this information is for entertainment purposes only. Statements made in this podcast should be interpreted within the limited context of the particular topics being discussed. Contact your state Extension program for local information on pest management. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to cropprotectionnetwork.org backslash about. Thank you for listening to I See Dead Plants.